Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria with you as we bring in 2023. Happy New Year to you and um, all the best for the year ahead. Today, New Year's resolutions. I got my man Peter Hooley jumping on for a chat as we look at all the NBL teams and what they should be resolving to do or get done over the next 12 months. So sit back, relax. Up next, Peter Hooley. Bulls, what's happening, man? Happy New Year. You too, man. It's good to talk to you. I haven't been on for, I think last time I was on was New Year's resolutions. Well, we, we just had to bring it round again. It's becoming a staple on the huddle. Uh, how did you bring in the New Year, Matt? you take it easy? Uh, called the two games on Saturday, got home. The missus had a drink ready for me, had half of it, fell asleep because I knew, <laughs> the, knew the baby would be up a couple of hours after. So I woke up then to Happy New Year to everybody and then went back to sleep shortly after. Middle-aged vibes. It's, I mean, I probably would have been asleep anyway, to be honest. I'm well and truly past bringing in the new year. But with my wife being American, we kind of brought it in again at like four o'clock the next day when all her family called. So it was nice. Okay, nice. And uh, what a cracking set of games that you had. Um, Perth and Illawarra and then the Cairns Adelaide one was just absolutely phenomenal. So that was in its own right, a good way to bring in the new year. New, new year's resolutions. I'm sure I asked you last year, do you do them? Do you have one? No, nah, not never have because the the easy one was was doing the gym, you know, all of that. And when yep. I when I retired, I, I joined BodyFit for like six months and was in the best shape of my life. And I kind of thought, okay, I'm part of this cult now. Let's do it. But then we uh-huh. moved away, and I'd love to do it again. But I'm a big if I have to drive more than ten minutes to get to a gym, it's not worth it for me because it gives me ten minutes to realize I hate life on the way there, and it, I won't end well. So now we've moved too far away from a gym. Can't do that. And I don't know, probably just to give give the little one the best first 12 months of her life, I guess. Oh, that's great. Nice. Um, was that BFT? I'm doing that right now. Loving oh, it. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And we moved away from it again. I want to get back into it, but the closest one is about 12 minutes away. And as I said, I, I'm a big morning person. So to get up and drive there, it's still in my head. I've got 12 minutes to think about why am I doing this? Like, I don't want to be there. And then I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> I became addicted. Like you're in there. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, gold medals galore. Shout out. This is a free little shout out. BFT, Ash Burton, Shanae and the crew. Um, now let's focus in on our New Year's resolutions. That That's w- the one I'm looking at joining, mate. Oh, come Let's do it, mate. Uh, there. We'll talk later. Right, we'll <laughs> talk. Hey, um, New Year's resolutions. We've got, we've each brought to the table one for every one of these NBL teams. I want to I throw a little curveball in though, off the top and say, let's look at it from a macro perspective early doors. Can you think of a New Year's resolution that the league, that NBL HQ, Larry Kestelman, Jeremy Lowliga, Vince Cravalli, the, the league could bring to the table for 2023? I've got, I've got a couple, but I've got a, a small one first. And I, I brought it up recently. For next Christmas Day games, whatever they are, let's have Christmas jerseys. So once the teams know the schedule and everybody has it locked in and whether you want to go the ugly Christmas theme, I think it'll be great. Not only will they sell well because Mm -hmm. it's summer. So people are going to recycle that every summer. Maybe you put it out to the fans and say, look, the best design we're going to go with for this Christmas, you want to send it all in and we'll pick one. It could be 10-year-old who designs a really nice Christmas one for whoever's playing and we just roll out some ugly Christmas jerseys. I think it would look sick. That would be cool. And let's include like... Christmas Eve games and Boxing Day games. 
league-wide. Yep. I like yep. it. Uh, uh, okay. All right. Is there another one? Well, the main one would be, let, we've got to tinker with the NBL awards, I think. And we've been talking about it. There's been a lot of discussion with the all-NBL teams, and that's probably something that's probably harder to, to tinker with before the end of the year. That's going to have to be visited in the off-season. But the rookie of the year one for me, I've been pretty strong on trying to change that, the criteria of how it goes about selecting that. And this year, obviously, there's more uh, emphasis on it from my point of view because of guys like Sean McDonald. Development player has earned the minutes and is just performing out of his skin. How do we recognize these players? I'd love to see that changed into that rising star type the AFL kind of go with. And if you win it two years in a row, you're good enough to win it at a young age, then so be it. Let's reward him. I have a sneaking suspicion you may get your wish. And if it does come to fruition, we've got the Kamloops wildcard games in the mix this year. If it does, then we'll have to involve your name in that somehow. Hey, for me, I was... I was chatting with Mitch Craig recently ahead of calling a game with him about playing in the TBT and mm. how he enjoyed playing with the Elam ending. And it got me thinking, let's play Elam ending at the Blitz. I love it. Love it. Just for something kooky, something different. We've seen it in the NBA All-Star game. We see it at the TBT. Um, can create a little extra buzz, a little extra talking point for the preseason tournament. 2023 NBL Blitz, wherever that may be, Elam ending. I love it because everyone, the people who really love the Elam ending, they want it all the time. And I just don't think that's the place. I don't think you're going to get it in the regular season. You can't just put it in the finals. But for the Blitz to create that hype, to be a little bit more unique. And to be honest, back playing in the Blitz, it's great. You're running around, but it it doesn't have that flavor of the season. You're trying to figure out where you fit. You're trying to get fit and healthy, but to throw something different out there. I reckon the players would get behind it and I'm all for that. And I hope that we can get that up. All right. All right. Let's veer into the clubs now. Now, and as you present your new year's resolution, you've got to put that club's hat on and be that club as you announce it. So we're going to go alphabetical order. I was saying to you before, whenever I list the teams, I just go alphabetical order. Adelaide, Brisbane, Cairns, Illawarra, Melbourne, New Zealand, Perth, South East, Melbourne, Sydney, Tasmania, just rattles (laughs) off my head. So when I did that for this, that's how I laid them down. Adelaide 36 is your hometown. Got to find a defensive identity. That's the New Year's resolution because you've got offensive scorers throughout the entire roster, one of the deepest, if not the deepest team in the league in terms of offensive talent. But you give up 90-plus points a game, you're just not going to win in the NBL. It's been proven time and time again how strong you have to be defensively, especially the last few years. You look at the, the three of the four finalists over the last two, maybe three seasons, all gave up anywhere between 79 and 81 points. So they're leaking around 90 and they just can't lock in defensively, which is strange when you look at their roster, especially with Mitch McCarron, Sunday Detch, Antonius Cleveland, and even Kai Soto now protecting the rim, kind of thinking they've got enough pieces there, but it seems to just get lost when they roll the ball out. It was fast. I was thinking about this in advance of the season, how they've got this, they had this weird setup with the way it was going to work, where the, around the perimeter, elite defenders, but guys that necessarily weren't confident with, you know, with at the offensive end, especially in the half court, mm. and then flipped in the front court, where you've got elite offensive operators and guys who can step out and shoot it, Robert Franks and Daniel Johnson, but where the defensive element of the game is not their strong suit. The po- and as much as you want to lock up on the perimeter, everybody needs to be involved. 
Yep. Pick and roll coverage after pick and roll coverage. It's communication, it's rotations. And um, they have periods of time where they can get it, bring it at the level that they need to. And then it slips away. And man, in crucial moments, like down the stretch of that fourth quarter the other night, they just could not get stops. And you're right. You need to be able to do that to succeed in this league. For me, wine, dine, and lock up Ian Clark Ooh. for next season. Yeah. Right. I mean, impossible to do, but a lot of New Year's resolutions are that way. Um, wouldn't it be really, really cool to see him locked up, locked and loaded, and ready to be on an NBL roster from the start of the season? He'd be an all-league type contributor. Said that during the game, what uh, that Cairns game is. He's been in the NBL twice now, just two different half-season stints. It, it's time he gives us a whole season because mm. of how exciting he could be no doubt would be an all-NBL caliber player. And that'd be huge for Adelaide to be able to do that. And, I mean, we've already seen him. He's only played some limited minutes, but just that spark he's already bringing and talking to Mitch McCarron, just how unbelievable he is in the locker room. So just imagine that person who has a culture to build from the preseason. And probably, if you're locking in early enough, to have that input around, okay, what other pieces do we need to fit around you? What do you think we need? And you've seen the league now. They could grow something really special. So... And I reckon like the reason it didn't happen with Sydney this year was he wanted to go back and try his hand and get him back in the NBA mm. and power to him because he's that level of guy, but it didn't work out. And he was sitting there without a team. And then here he is back again in the league this season. So I don't know, maybe the sweet spot might just be there to be able to get that done. And look, it's better than nothing, but I'm not cool with Ian Clark being like the new Jeremy Kendall no. who like teams no. try to bring in. He's <laughs> way, way better than that. And we need him for a full season. Well, I mean, if he's going to fall in love, he's in the best city in Australia. So if he's going to fall in love with anything, it's the city of churches. So hopefully Adelaide can get around him. Hopefully he falls in love with the Crows and just wants to stay around. Suit up for an NBA one team. If you want to have a run around for a cash for a seven games, qualify, do the Sunday Detch. What did Sunday Detch and Jack McVay play a couple of years ago in NBA one? Played four games to qualify when and won a chip. Easy cash. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the Brisbane Bullets. I'm going on the similar path where you say lock away. Lock away, Gak, long term. I got the same. I, I thought me. we would. Ever since we saw little minutes of him in the preseason, I loved his activity. That's the one thing when you're a young fella and you're playing behind Baines and even Harrison, the activity, the intent of what you're trying to do when you go out there, you don't have to throw in the ball. He's going to find ways to be effective. He's an unbelievable athlete, but just how quickly he gets up and down the floor always gives 110%. That's someone you can really build on over the next four or five years into being a real staple piece for a team that can contend in the future. He had 10 offensive rebounds yesterday. Mm. Now, over the past seven seasons in the NBL, he's now one of five guys who have got that done to have double-digit offensive rebounds. Ben Moore, Sean Long, Angus Brandt, Lucas Walker, and now Gorjak Gak. I mean, the potential that he's flashing as a second-year pro is ridiculous. Yeah. I actually, and I don't know where, how many people agree with me, I actually think the Bullets look better with him on the floor at the center spot. 100%. No, I'm with you. It just suits the, the, the style that Tyler Johnson and Nathan Sobey and these guys want to play. His athleticism, his length, and his activity, his rim protection. Um and just his, his effort around the rim, mobility, you know, like Bainsey has, and it's funny because on that Brisbane squad, it's Gorjak Gak. In the Boomers, 
with the guys that are on that squad, I would take Aaron Baines without a shadow of a doubt. But on this particular squad with this particular group in the NBL right now, I think they look better with him on the floor. And you're right, they need to lock him up on a multi-year deal. Yeah, and it's weird to say because of what we've seen Aaron Baines do over the course of his career and even in spurts in, in NBL 23. But to have a guy who is always going to play that way without needing the ball in his hands and without having to run stuff for him, he's going to get dump offs, he's going to get the offensive rebounds and he's going to be a lead on the other end. And to be honest, you put him in that, maybe you throw Baines next to him at the four and let him play on the perimeter for just a couple of minutes here and there to try and stretch the floor. But Gak should be towards the end of the season. If he motor can handle it, 30 plus minutes a game, no doubt about it. Yeah. And we saw Baines and Gak together in preseason. Mm-hmm. The bullets actually look pretty good in that in that situation. So I don't mind it. Let's even see a little bit of well, that. It's funny you mentioned that. That game in Ballarat that we called. So yeah. and we spoke to Vandy after and he said, look, there's a potential here. We're going to run Harrison and, and Baines together a, a lot of the time this season if it looks good. I don't think they were expecting, okay, maybe we're going to have to throw Gak out there a lot more mm-hmm. in this because, again, another one of these youngsters who's just earned their opportunity and you just can't not play them. I have a sneaking suspicion we've probably got the same thing for the Cairns Taipans while we keep it in Queensland. Extend Adam Ford. Ooh, I didn't have that, but I love it. He's in a contract year. Mm. Oh, He's wow. He's a two-year deal. He's in Coach of the Year conversations. He has that Cairns Taipans team humming. I said from the moment that he signed in Cairns, he's a perfect fit, a really, really good fit for that organization, for that market. I feel like he's a, right now, maybe it changes down the, down over the course of time. I feel like he's a small market team coach. He's a punch above our weight, chip on our shoulder. Nobody believes in us kind of coach, maximize the talent from a smaller budget type of coach where you can really, his, his, um, the work he puts in, scouting and recruiting and finding diamonds in the rough from a young local perspective, but also from an import perspective as well. Um, The way he constructs the roster through analytics and the like, it just all sort of works in a smaller market team. Perfect fit there in Cairns. That team's humming. Give him another multi-year deal. Took the words out of my mouth. It wasn't what I had written down, but it's something I've been saying and preaching is, is he is he is Cairns now. He is exactly what they've needed for that small market team because for them to get that crowd the other night, for them to get people to get on board behind their team, they have to play an exciting brand. And if they understand, we're all about these youngsters. And we know every time we're going to watch the Taipans, they're going to play fast, they're going to play hard, and they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to have those games where things aren't going their way and they potentially get blown out here and there. But more often than not, we're going to see things that happen the other night where they look out of it and they flip a switch and they go on an incredible run in a comeback, all riding on emotion, led from the head coach. See him on the sideline. I love him. I think he's perfect fit for, for all of that. And as you said, they're not going to get the huge price tag imports. They're not going to get the huge price tag Australians, but they're going to get youngsters. It's kind of like the money ball. It really is. You're trying yeah. to put together this piece of... What, who works well in what pieces? And we're all going to buy into this style of play of we are a small market team and we're never going to be a huge one. So let's just continue to fight. And again, everyone had a few things to say about his press conference the other day when the examples he used maybe weren't right, but that's what he does. He has his players back. And because of that, they're going to ride or die for him. What did you have? I had in terms of this season is to reopen the floodgates shooting-wise because... Oh, wow. 
when things have thirty one percent from three, bro. Well, it's more of when they have struggled to shoot and knock shots down, not just from three, just in general, their offense is slowing down a little bit. They look in a bit of trouble and they were a big concern of mine in the top six as we get to the business end of the season. And I just hate for them to fall potentially to that sixth or seventh spot come season's end because I think they've played way too well and don't deserve to be anywhere near that. So for their offense, I think that a lot is going to come down to DJ Hope. He picks and chooses his moments at times. He took a while to get going the other night, and he's done that a few times. He loves to get going in the fourth quarter, but if they can really start to get him humming, then they're going to be a team no one wants to play if they're up and about in a playing tournament. I think a lot of people listening or, or, or watching along would be thinking, well, why aren't you guys talking about Keanu Pinder? Isn't re-signing Keanu Pinder, you know, top priority list for the tight fans? It's just not realistic. No, it's really not. It's really not. And I think he's just going to get priced out of out of their market, unfortunately. Well, and you saw 40 last year said he's, he'll take a massive pay cut to keep Quall and Pinder. Well, I don't know if he's going to coach free. And that's probably... You've got a young family. I mean, there's only really so much happen. No, you're right. There's only so far that can go. All right. Hey, I'll go first for Lawara. Yep. Hire a shot doctor. Ooh. I think that's what they need to do. <laughs> For this year because man they are they are putting up historically poor shooting clips mm. so right now they're 41 percent from the field 32 percent from three and 66 percent from the free throw line now get this if if they if they stay at that they'll end the season being one of only four teams across the entire history of the nbl to shoot less than 42 percent from the field less than 33% from three and less than 67% from the free throw line. So that would join in the 1999-2000 Taipans and Bullets from the same season. Man, they were throwing up some bricks in Queensland <laughs> and the 0203 who also were in that realm. And also let's talk about recent history. The 1920 Hawks, 42-31-69. And the 2020-21 Hawks, 42-33-70. There's something going on there at the Wynn Entertainment Center, often described as a great shooting gym. That's what I'm thinking. And they just can't put that thing in the bucket on a regular basis. I tell you what, when you said started there with the 1920 Hawks, I'm like, geez, I know they're a foundation club, but that is a long time ago for the Hawks <laughs> to be running around and playing. But it, it's it's incredible. And I, I'm I'm worried. Now that you mentioned that, I'm worried because Peyton Seaver's injury, he's the one who can get some clean looks, some easy looks for the likes of Sam Froling, Tyler Harvey. There could be a lot of jacking going on down this stretch. And they, they, that's the way they're kind of playing. They're kind of playing with house money. We, we're not going to make finals. We've had a really poor season. Let's just go out there and hoop. And if the ball drops, the ball drops. Problem is, then you say, all right, well, let's stop. Let's put the jumper away for a little while, attack the rim, get to the free throw line. They can't make free throws. Uh, oh, that's what, you know, like Sam Froling, like that needs to be his game. It needs to be one of the league leaders in free throw attempts, but you've got to knock that thing down when you get there. So, um, yeah, that's that's what they need to do. They need to hire a shot doctor. What, what's your news resolution for the Hawks? I've gone, they need a bit of good luck. So whether it starts with getting a lotto ticket or something or just stop walking under, I don't know if they've got ladders outside the Wynn Entertainment Center or they've seen some black cats or walked on cracks or something. So they start the season looking okay at the Blitz. Justin Robinson comes in. They've lost four of their five leading scorers from last season. For whatever reason happened, they lost 55 points from last season. So Justin Robinson gets hurt in the first game. 
then they struggle because they haven't brought anyone in. That kind of shifts the whole team dynamic. Then they start to put in a little bit of fire and we kind of think, okay, here's the Hawks. I know they might not make the finals, but they look a lot better. Mm. That Sydney game when it rips their heart out. Mm. Melbourne United double overtime game. Mm. Then it looks like, okay, they're still playing with a bit of fire. They're still playing a lot better. They go down to Tassie. Michael Fraser, Tyler Harvey, both out ill. They were never winning that game with those two out ill. Mm. And now Peyton Seaver's hurt. So a lot of things you put down, the shooting, a lot of things they do having their control. But man, for a team that's had a lot go against them, they just need a bit of good luck. Fair call. Fair call. All right, Melbourne United, it's an obvious one. We always talk about it. Everyone talks about it. The New Year's resolution is to be to play through Chris Golding. When I went and watched... What year New Year's resolution are we doing? (laughs) Yeah, we're doing it again. When I went to uh, watch Melbourne United in the um, NBL, NBA games a few years ago, Doc Rivers said to me in the post-game press conference that he spoke to his team in the halftime locker room and asked them, who's their best player? Mm. And when they answered number 43, he said, good, because I'm not sure you guys realized. Sometimes you get that feeling about Melbourne United, not necessarily from Dean Vickerman, but from some of his teammates on a year-to-year basis, recognizing and fully appreciating that they have success when he gets shots. Now, we know the numbers. They're six and one this season when he shoots 10 or more three-point attempts. Um, In round one to nine, he averaged a a tick under 12 field goal attempts, a tick under eight three-point attempts. The team was five wins and 10 losses. From round 10 to 13 here, those numbers have gone up to over 15 field goal attempts per game and over 11 three-point attempts, and they're five wins and one loss in that period of time. Get him shots and you generally win games. And it's not so much about the kind of shots he gets because there was the one game last year, I think he was old 16 or something outrageous in Adelaide. And we're all thinking the next one's going in. I'm sure he was thinking the same. That's never probably, well, that'll never happen again, but he's a game breaker. We saw it the other day against Brisbane, that three threes, that little stretch that broke the game open. Yes. Brisbane hung around for a little bit, but it's demoralizing on the other end. He's done that his entire career. And you mentioned the start, those first few rounds, he hit a three or two in the third quarter. I remember there was probably four or five games. And so often in that, he likes to trail behind that next possession. If a team misses or makes, and he just slowly walks down because the defense thinks, okay, he's out of the play. And if it's not Shea Ely, who wasn't there, if it's not Dave Barlow with the ball to realize that, Tucker, Rattan Mays were just hooping. They were just going in the bucket. And you forget that he likes to trail into a really, really deep three. And then it just breaks the game open. The crowd gets involved. The team gets up and about. He is Melbourne United and always will be. They're there now, those guys. Yep. They see him in those moments now. Mm-hmm. And that's why this team's humming at the moment and really kind of gets threatening to make the finals, amazingly enough. What have you got for Melbourne? Teams above them to slip up. You, you talk about them making the push for that play-in tournament, they need a bit of help because I think talking to them on Christmas Day, that Perth game could come back to haunt them. So they're going to need a couple of teams to slip up, maybe miss a couple of games here or there because obviously we know it's the news coming out of Perth and Adelaide, they're going to really try and bounce back after that shock loss. So they're going to need a little bit of help to get there. But if they continue just to tick off wins, they've got, got to play a couple of tough teams. You, another team you just don't want to play in a playing tournament. The thing is, I don't even think they absolutely 100% need the slip up. 
I don't think they're relying on other teams' results just yet because all those teams are going to play each other. So losses are going to mm. happen. 15 and 13 gets you sixth spot, right? Well, there's yeah, no, it, it, it should. There's no way you're missing the top six with a winning <laughs> record. And they have 12 losses right now. Mm. They've won five of their last seven. If they win five of their last six, they have they go in at 15 and 13. It's, that's, that's a tough task. I know they're humming, but that's what I'm talking about. Where you need someone to slip. I, I'd envision they're going to they're gonna have a couple losses, I think, down the stretch, yeah. field, which is why that Perth game, you, you just don't want it to come down to that. that. The unlosable, what I thought was the unlosable. We've had yeah. two of those now because we saw what happened on New Year's Eve up in Cairns, the unlosable. Unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, so that comes with coinciding. Let's play through Chris. We live and die by Chris Golding and more often than not, you end up living. What have you got for the New Zealand breakers? Similar, I love the lockaway, but lock away as many as you can for next year as well. That's somewhere I've gone. With, so Modi Mayo's created this culture and he's got this team primed. Now we know they missed a few games. They missed a couple of weeks with, with illness and lost to Tassie when they came back. But you look at the pieces they've got and so often we see new imports coming to the league and they take time. It takes time to really start to hum in the NBL. Normally, it takes a lot of them nearly even for the second year or the back end of their first year to really understand how to really succeed in the NBL. But Jarrell Brantley's been beasting. Derek Parton's been unbelievable. And Barry Brown Jr. If you can lock away as many of those guys going in for another year, then there's no reason you guys can't be contending year after year while Modi Mayo's got this. Everybody's buying into this, this special group. I like it, but I also would say just be careful about the multi-year deals for imports. Mm. Sometimes it works great. The multi-year, the three-year deals that have been rolling through with Bryce Cotton have been amazing. That's what a, an anomaly. What, what a beautiful thing for Perth. But the three-year deal for Tyler Harvey, mm. I'm not sure if you had your time over, you would do that. The three-year deal for Scott Machado, that they signed a few years back. I'm not sure if you had your time over, you would wind up doing that. So I like it. Those three imports over there in New Zealand are terrific, but just be cautious. I think about the, the multi-year deal. My one for the breakers is to extend Modi Mayor. Yep. So I had that for the Taipans with Adam Ford. Same thing right here. Another assistant coach who's elevated himself as to a head coach position and he's absolutely kicking, but I just, I just think he's just a great head coach in this league. And, and so, um, again, he, he, I think he only got the one-year deal when he moved into this role. So I would imagine those conversations are taking place right now and it won't be too long before that gets done. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. So I think that's for everybody, in, including the break, because that's got to be done. And it's interesting, back to the thing, I'm not sure besides Bryce Cotton, I don't know if three-year deals should be handed out to to imports in general. I, I think it's a tough one because Bryce is obviously so unique, but because the landscape's always forever changing. Two, I think, is somewhere you can you can live with. But then again, if Adelaide 36 is said we've locked away Ian Clark for three years, we'd be sitting here being like, well played. True. That is true. Well that is true. Yeah, but I like um, no brainer. Got to lock him away. He's been unbelievable. What have you got for the Perth Wildcats? We're recording this 1.30 p.m. here on the 2nd of January. It just became official. The Ty Webster's joining that squad. What's your New Year's resolution for the Cats? Peak at the right time. That's the thing for the Wildcats now. It's going to get Ty Webster on board and up to speed as quickly as possible. I think it's a fantastic signing for a team that's struggled for 
consistent contributors outside of Bryce all year long. I mean, Brady Manick's been really good a lot of the time after having his struggles early. Now that Corey Webster's starting, he's been unbelievable as well. But they've still lacked that little bit of a spark uh, in other areas. Todd Blanchfield's been inconsistent. Mitch Norton struggled a lot this season. So to have Ty Webster, get him up to speed. And if they're peaking at the right time, so I'm talking February 5th, end of the regular season, in the playing tournament, you've got number 11 running around. Everyone else is feeling good about themselves. Another team where you just do not want to play. And if they're doing that, the Red Army is going to be in full voice. If the team's got to travel back out west, anything can happen. I like it. And I, I like envisaging that. I want to see Bryce Cotton and the Perth Wildcats back doing good things in the playoffs. In order to do that, they're going to need to achieve the New Year's resolution that I have for them. Block out. Oh. <laughs> Just everybody block out. Mm. And in order to, to kind of get a handle on what they need to do, watch the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. They lead the league in defensive rebounding percentage. And yet... They don't have like a rebounding fiend, um, like a Keanu Pinder or, you know, and a, Will Magne has, a, is, what is he playing? Like 18 minutes a game on the season, but I've never seen it. I don't think I've seen a team for a really long time. In fact, none really come to mind all time that just block out together all five guys on the floor with as much consistency and discipline as what that team does. And you've just got, we've got Fabian Krizlovic and Jack is an undersized five. Jack mm-hmm. McVay is an undersized four. Milton Doyle's maybe an undersized three out there at times. And yet they continually finish defensive possessions on the glass. Now for the Wildcats, we know it's been an enormous problem this season. They're at the very other end of the spectrum, last in defensive rebounding percentage. And a big part of it is those two big guys, right? Like to Sean Thomas is 28th in the league in defensive rebounding. Brady Manick is 33rd. That's your starting five and four. Um, And both those guys are playing 25 minutes per game. So they should be racking up more boards than that. Um, But it's everyone. It's Luke Travers and it's Corey Webster. Bryce Conn's a good defensive rebounder for a guard, but everybody, they need a gang rebound and it starts with blocking out. Well, Ty Webster showed well, a couple of years ago that he can get on that glass as well as in that point guard role. And with him coming in, I've actually loved Luke Travis starting in that point guard role, but maybe that's the conversation John really has is, look, your role is going to change. You're going to be playing on the wing a little bit, or maybe we just play Ty Webster on the, on the wing. But if you're out there, I need you to eat the rebounds. Mm-hmm. I need you to really get, he's been doing it the last couple of games. He's got the length. And again, though, it's going to come down to discipline. You've got to, you've got to hit a body because Tassie are the perfect blueprint of it. And if anyone can do it like that, you're right. The Wildcats won't be able to get too far if they don't do that. All right, for Southeast Melbourne, I'm going to give them the um, New Year's resolution that 98% of the population Correct. put in place. Yep. Get fit and be healthy. <laughs> That's what I had to. It's a no-brainer. It is a no-brainer. They've, they look so good when they're at full strength. And I'm talking proper full strength with everybody humming along and mm-hmm. feeling good about themselves. Gary Brown was balling. Brockhoff started to have a real strong impact. And Creek and Williams have been outstanding all season long. And now you got Trey Kell getting banged around a little bit. So it's it's a no-brainer. And look, it's going to be mighty tough to keep the ship steady without those key guys. That's just a matter of a fact. And Junior Madut's great. Kyle Adams going to always step up. But if you want to win a championship, they need to get healthy 
couple of weeks before the end of the season. Yeah. You can't roll in the last round of the season, everybody healthy and expect things to get back on the same way it was a few weeks ago. And the reality is, I mean, Tommy Greer is sitting there, my man, and he's like, can the squad I put together just be out there and play and we can see what they can do? But the flip side to that argument is the reality is this squad is top heavy. Mm. The starting five is star-studded. Probably arguably the most talented starting five in the league. Then you had Joe Chi, you had Kyle Adam. That's a beautiful seven to work with. Um, but it means that you've put a lot of resources into that group. And if those guys aren't on the floor, then it starts to become, and when a few of them aren't on the floor together, that makes it even more difficult. So that's an easy one for the Phoenix. For Sydney, <clears throat> I think the New Year's resolution is Chase Buford's and it's, just to chill a little, <laughs> just and just to chill a little in terms of the refs yeah. predominantly. And look, he spoke about this over the off season. I chatted to him after they won the title. I chatted to him in the coaches series in advance of the season. And I was like, how do you grow as a coach? And he was like, look, we all know that I need to work on some things and managing my emotions is part of that. And the reality is it just, it gets directed to the officiating, mm. you know, he kicks the led because of the refs and he wrote the thing on the, the refs door because of the refs in the G league. He pulled his hair out after the game because of the refs. And then he's been suspended here for another incident because he was frustrated with the officiating in Gippsland that had a bunch of his guys fouled out of the game. And, um, I think he's a terrific coach. I think he's awesome for that organization and his passion and his enthusiasm and his excitement is all a massive part of that. But you just don't need it when it comes to the refs. And if he can just chill a little bit, I think that'd be good for that team. And it's hard because you mentioned it. I love it for exactly that organization, the passion, because you, you pull it back too much and then you lose who he is and then he, yeah. he effect on the team so it's mighty hard to do but maybe that's just that first starting point is the refs is like let's just start there and let everything else because i actually like when he gets animated on the sidelines about everything else and kind of doesn't direct it directly at the refs but shows that he's visibly upset or whatever because if i'm playing and there's a couple of bad calls and my coach doesn't react i'm always thinking like are you on our side here are you yeah yeah us? but if he can just yeah obviously keep it off the rest mine is keep dj Vasilievich hot Oh. Him hot, keep him hot because they look like such a different team when when he's got that swagger about him. We, he admitted he was in the shooting slump and trying to continue to get through it. And I love his comment of the only way to get out of it is to keep letting it fly. I mean, that's DJ Vasilievich to a T. And yeah. I think they're a much better team. It's obvious when, when he's up and about. And if he's really hot at the right time and for an extended period of time, I, I can't envision too many teams causing him a problem in a three or five game series because he spreads the floor so much more. Derek Walton Jr. is going to get in the paint. Cooks is going to do his thing. And that's what I think they really need. We The uh, last season, the 2022 final series will be remembered for two shots mm -hmm. josh adams in the corner to put an end to melbourne united season and Dion vasilevic in game two in tassie and i have no doubt lock it away right now dj is going to have another one of those type of moments or two yep. in the back end of this season no doubt yep. about it that's what he does all right what do you got for tassie to close it out to everyone to keep writing them off no one else outside of tassie jump on the bandwagon because that's just not what they want it's weird to say it, but they love their backs against the wall. They love no one believing in them. Everyone's saying they're undersized. Oh, it's the same team. that They, they won't be able to do it in, in the crunch. And, oh, they might slip out of the top six. The more that that gets said, the more they just seem to band together. And the mm -hmm. more they seem to just thrive off that and get the job done. And 
We fast forward to the end of the season. They're in a semi-final series and we're saying, how are they here again? Like we didn't pick them at the start of the year. Halfway through, we're like, okay, they've had their little run. And I keep going back to, they were 20 minutes away of starting the season 0-4. 20 minutes, that Brisbane game down in the nest in my state bank arena, down double digits at halftime. They just flicked a switch, said, let's just lock back into what we do. And they went on a run from there. They had a little lull after that a couple of weeks, but it's always when everyone writes them off and we get the messages. We hear it all. We see it all from all the Jack Jumpers fans, all the Ant Army, that they're not happy that we don't get enough credit. I don't want to give you credit because then it might go the other way. I love seeing Tazzy succeed and this is the only way we know how to do it. I like it. Um, all right. So my one for Tasmania is for the Jack Jumpers to, to have that moment around New Year's where you look yourself in the mirror and their resolution is, to be true to ourselves every single time we step out on the floor. Now, um, they usually are, but a little while ago, they had a little couple of games where they weren't aggressive, proactive at the defensive, and they weren't up the floor and trapping and forcing turnovers. This team is equal first in the league with the Taipans at opposing teams' turnover percentage. Now, the Taipans are, are long and athletic and McCall and DJ Hogue, these guys get their hands in and, and steal it. Whereas the, the Jack Jumpers aren't that. It's all based on them collectively in a connected way, trapping and being aggressive and rotating and communicating. And when they do that, they're the best at, at that in the league. And we saw that on the weekend where they just completely pantsed Southeast Melbourne by doing exactly that. So if they have any hope of doing again what they did last season, and marching all the way to a grand final or a semi-final type appearance, it's going to be on the back of playing that way every single game, living and dying with that approach. And I feel like those little loves that you mentioned were with Matt Cannon and Sam McDaniel out, they're two main guard defenders. Everybody kind of took a backward step. They didn't have that one guy to, to be a pest to, okay, we're trying to take the ball out of Chris Golding's hands, whoever, just go and blank them, sit in their pocket, and then everyone else says, okay, he's doing that, let's, let's get on board. And... Mm. We're not, we'll just throw it out there lastly, but that conversation with Milton Doyle, you're probably getting close to having that conversation real soon. That's sure. someone you want to keep around. Bring him back for sure. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what? I would do the same with Josh Majette. Mm. Hasn't, I, had, I, hasn't had the same kind of year. The dimes are down, but the, the combination of Majette and Scott Roth together yeah. works. He's, the, he's a great coach and he's a great extension of that coach on the floor. They play the way Scott Roth wants them to, largely because Josh Majette's the man handling the rock. Yeah. And, and again, he's one of those ones that you bring him back. His role can change as he gets older, and he looks like he's going to be more than okay with accepting that, and for whatever reason. But I can only imagine a, a lot of this or a bit of Sean McDonald's success comes from learning from a guy like Josh Majette every single day. That, he's been around, he's been a true pro, and you just learn, you kind of pick his brain, and he's also going to give you the confidence to go out there and unlock yourself at a young age. So, again, Tasmania is Scott Roth, it's Jack McVay, and then I think it's Josh Majette. I like it, man. All right, that's it. That is New Year's resolutions done for NBL. Well, the NBL teams across 2023. Good work by you. And uh, let's talk BFT Ashburton when we get the, when we get oh, the chance. 100%. Once I go take care of the crying baby that I can hear upstairs, we'll get to it. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, man. Thanks for that. No worries.